Iowa everywhere. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. All right, boys, it's game day. Let's go. Let's go. Big game. Got a big game today. My package has arrived. Oh, sweet. Nice. Skull! Great win, fellas. What game's next? G-Men are having a great year. Let's go, Blue! Here we go. Primetime football. Texans, Dolphins. Let's do this. Yes! Review. Yes! Yes! Heartland flags. Every sport, every team, every flag. Every team? That's right. Fine, fine. I'll get a Washington flag, too. Find your flag and so much more with fast, free shipping. Heartlandflags.com. Every sport, every team, every flag. Almost. Loyal sons forever true. Go Cyclones. From the Channel Seed Studios, Nick Oson and Jake Brent talk all things Big 12. This is Firmly Entrenched. Powered by Heartland Flags and Gifts. Every team, every sport, every flag. Almost. Here's Nick and Jake on Iowa Everywhere. Welcome into the Channel Seed Studios. This is Firmly Entrenched, powered up by... The man, Aiden Wyatt himself. I'm Jake Brand with Local 5 Sports and, of course, joined by Nick Oson from 24-7 Sports. Nick, you have a good Thanksgiving, my man? Really good. You know, it went by a little bit quickly, but it was great. I got to see a little family, great food, and, of course, watch some football, college basketball. What about you, my man? What a sports weekend. Oh, my gosh. I I know there's been a lot of discussion on if this is overtaken the opening weekend of March Madness, which I'm not ready to go there, but I feel like I enjoyed this weekend more than I have any year in the past. And it was, it was incredible. I, I had a great time. You know, I I think I'd still be with you that March Madness is one for me, but it's really close because you get all these different options too, right? Rivalry week, great college hoops, There's still some NBA here and there. And then, of course, NFL. I know you don't love this part, but jumping on to Black Friday, plus just the usual Thanksgiving and, you know, NFL Sunday. I thought it was one of the best, too, Jake. And I'm close to crowning it as maybe the best of the year. It's just so much to choose from. It was awesome. NFL and Black Friday sucked. I didn't watch a second of it. (laughs) And I don't plan on ever watching a second of it on Black Friday. But that's besides the point. Today we you are, never have to worry about your Cowboys being on it. So I guess. Yeah, now, yeah, that's true. Today, today, of course, we're presented by Heartland Flags and Gifts. Today we're gonna recap the Farmageddon. It was it was a while ago, but we still got some talking points about it. We're going to preview ideal bowl locations. We're gonna pick the championship games across the power five schools, and we're gonna close with some hoops. But before that. It's a holiday. Today was Spotify <laughs> wrapped, Apple Music wrapped, whatever streaming service you're on. But it all came out and we're going to we're just going to give the listeners a little look inside our everyday 
with our top five artists. Nick, you want to go first on uh, on your top five artists from the year of 2023? Yeah, this was a great idea, Jake. So I hate to say I'm more of an Apple Music guy, probably just because it's a little easier with the iPhone at times. But yeah, they do a little replay. I think it's called there. So only real surprise for me was number five. I had, you know, kind of an order, Chance the Rapper, uh, some old Kanye coming in at number two, Big Sean, Drake, and then kind of out of nowhere, as our producer pointed out before the show, uh, Billy Joel popped in at number five, which I guess I just go back between like two or three different songs. So I must have really played those a lot. And my number one song of the year, which I didn't really know was a thing until last month, was Snowman by Sia. I, I realized that's an old song. I had never gotten into it. I don't uh, know until, that is. Yeah, my girlfriend pointed it out to me uh, earlier this fall, and I can't get enough of it. So somehow that came in at number one. I didn't even look at what my top song was. Aiden, do you want to go next or you want me to go? I can go next. Bring yourself in here. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Welcome to the show, Aiden Wyatt. <laughs> this shouldn't be any shock who's my number one. I'm going to guess Taylor Swift. Hey, Swift. lucky guess. All right, look at you. the year of Taylor. Number two, Zach Bryan. Number three, Noah Kahn. Four, Luke Combs. Five, conspiracy theory, Morgan Wallen. Yeah, hold hold on it's, to that uh, thought. Yeah, yeah, we'll, yeah, we'll, we'll yeah. get into that. Um, my top <laughs> song was uh, Cruel Summer by Taylor Swift. Okay. okay. 142 plays. Worth noting, uh, 5,633 minutes listened to Taylor Swift. Wow. Dang, dude. What percentage are you in then? See, I'm Apple Music, so I don't have that. Oh, gotcha. Either way, I've seen people with like 18,000, so like I'm probably maybe top 50. Okay. That's nothing crazy. You're better than the other half of the world, though, so Uh, congratulations. That's not bad. That's crazy. It's my five. (laughs) Mine's a very mixed range of genres. So I've got Zach Bryan, number one. There you go. More of the... Not modern country. I don't even know what. He's more R&B he, slash country. Like a mix of country and folk and... Yeah. Yeah, somewhere in there. Everything, yeah. So yeah, it goes Zach Bryan, George Strait, straight 90s country. <laughs> Number three is Playboy Cardi, of course. Still still listen to a lot of Dilet. Best album ever made. Number four, and here's where the conspiracy theory comes in. It's Morgan Wallen. There's no way that Morgan Wallen is my fourth. There's no way he was my fifth. I don't remember listening to him much at all after his album came out. <laughs> Is he when did the album off? come out, Aiden? I let me look. I want to say it was spring? like late spring. Yeah. Is he paying off these streaming services to I don't I don't know. Like you can March buy those third. Yeah. March 3rd yeah. Is that his last album came out. Something's going on there. So you can uh you know how you can buy like Instagram and Twitter followers, and is he yeah, just you know all about that, Jake? Is something? he buying plays? <laughs> yeah, yeah, I did it a while ago. No, I'm kidding. Is he just buying plays on these streaming services? Because there's no there, way. And there's been like I told you before the show, there's been like five people that have told me the same that thing. I said that. I don't remember Morgan Wallen. All right, we'll we'll put our investigative team at Iowa yeah. everywhere on it, and we'll we'll have an answer for you next week. I and have then a feeling that's another thing that gets thrown on my plate. Yeah, go, awesome. go ahead. Write a blog, and then our my fifth is Casting Crowns, a, a worship band, really good. I I didn't think any of those worship bands would be on here because there's such a variety, and I don't feel like I listen to one more than the other. But there you go. And I did remember my number one song. It's Amarillo by Morning, by uh by George Strait, which okay, uh, great song. I didn't know I listened to that more than any other CW song. Would be proud. Yeah, I I don't I think did I've ever heard that one. Amarillo by morning. But yeah. Oh, well, keep going. Not. Keep going. Yeah. <laughs> no, I don't want to get copyrighted <laughs> or or embarrassed. But yeah, we'll uh <laughs> we'll put our investigative team on this Morgan Wallen conspiracy and we'll we'll report back. Nick, let's let's jump into the Farmageddon recap, of course, presented by Heartland Flags and Gifts. I mean, Christmas is coming up, baby. If if you got any friends, any any relatives in your life in need of a sports flag, Heartland flag should be your choice. It doesn't matter if you live right here in Des Moines, down in Florida, it's free shipping anywhere in the U.S., or you can go in-store at 3719 Southwest 9th Street. New products constantly. It's uh, It makes a great stocking stuffer. 
Obviously, it's a big flag, but I don't have to describe how folding works. It, it can fit in a stocking, <laughs> but uh, <laughs> go down to our friends at Heartland Flags and Gifts. Iowa State wins the Snowmageddon on Saturday night. Nick, what, we've had a few days to dwell on this. What, what do you think of when you think of the 2023 Farmageddon game? I think two main things. I feel that Iowa State was vastly underrated in this game. And I did say that on the show. So that's not just a, a results-based thing, but it was a, a great win. And then number two, I, I don't care who you're playing, if you're playing in snow. The numbers that Abu Sama, true freshman Abu Sama put up, were truly video game numbers. And I guess the cool thing is I'm not surprised at this point, but that was really special. And I think it was cool uh, for him and, you know, really kind of people close to him and some of his teammates to see that on a national stage because that was unbelievable. And Jake, that was one of the best performances by a player you will see all season. Totally. I, I, I think watching... I think it was one of his highlights and and obviously one of Jalen's long touchdowns. I do question uh, what Kansas State was doing a little bit with some of their tackling and and swarm techniques. But I I think those were my two biggest. And and I'm glad that I was able to catch, you know, some of the end live uh, after the Badgers rolled over Minnesota. And I know that you thoroughly enjoyed this one as well. Yeah, for for Sama, obviously, it was a lot easier on Saturday to be on offense than it is on defense. You're on offense. You know where you're go- where you're going. You're the one that's determining the cut. Defense, you're reacting. But still, the Kansas State running back didn't have 276 yards. So no, Sama got rewarded for being able to have unbelievable balance great cutting ability and capitalize on a fantastic violent day from the Iowa state offensive line and tight ends, especially don't want to leave those guys out, but this game it's one of the most fun Iowa state football games that I can remember. I will, I I will show my kids this game in 20, 30 years. Like it's that much of a classic with just the snow like for one, how often do you see snow not get plowed off of a field? It, it just doesn't happen. So, so that makes it already so unique. Touchdowns of 82, 77, 71, yep. 60, 33, just highlights galore. Abu Sama, of course, all time game. That's a, that will be a career best game. If he beats that, I would be. So impressed. And then you beat a rival. You and a good rival at that. They this is no down Kansas State team. They no. I mean it they were a two-point conversion away from winning in Austin. They win that game. This game was a was a win and go to the Big 12 championship game. So this is a really good Kansas State team that you beat. And it it becomes the game of the 2023 season for Iowa State. In six years, and 10 years, when you look back at the 2023 season, you'll think of it as, oh yeah, that, that, was, the, that was the Snowmageddon year. Just as when we look back at 2017, it's, oh, that's, that's the year you finally win in Norman. And I, I think that's pretty dang cool for, for a young Cyclone team to be able to look back on that not just next year, but this will this will be a game that lives in Cyclone lore. And as we know, that that doesn't end up being every single game. And, you know, I, I think as you alluded to a little bit earlier, it's been a few days. You know, others have talked about this game. I'm really curious, Jake, as a lifelong Cyclones fan, just how meaningful is this rivalry in general? You know, kind of when you compare it to some of Iowa State's other rivalries and how important or or even possible is it that the big 12 is able to kind of shift some things for the future? Because I think 
obviously I'm not on the beat anymore, but when I was there, I think that it's quite obvious, certainly in kind of the, the fan base that spends time online with, with uh, the Iowa state fans and, you know, on Twitter and things like that. Farmageddon means a lot to them and kind of the heart of the fan base. And I think it's really unfortunate if this doesn't end up being played every single year, which as of right now, it's not expected to. Well, I don't know if you saw this today. It was released the ratings. I did see that. And this Iowa State-K-State game was the most watched 7 o'clock game on Fox this season. And obviously, there's the factor of it's Thanksgiving weekend and everybody's at... at their family's house and whatever and all that. So I would guess that across the board ratings this weekend were up in general, mm-hmm. but to say that nobody's watching this would just be pretty naive. And did somebody say that? Like, was that part of the rationale for this? Nobody from like big 12 offices said it, but there were a lot of KU fans. Okay. Which you put fan blinders on it and you're going to see that. And I don't want to. I don't want to act like people around the country were tuning in. Like, oh my gosh, it's the farm again. They probably didn't even know what that was. A lot of it was from just the novelty of snow. But there is something that this was the most watched game in that time slot all year long, and that was including a USC Oregon game, a USC Colorado or a, a Colorado USC game, maybe. Like there were some marquee matchups in that seven o'clock Fox window. So that I think should point the Big Twelve in a different direction. And I don't think they will. I don't think they'll change their mind because ultimately it, it does come down to I think the institutions probably asking for it to be protected. And it's my understanding that that did not happen. Yeah, I I just really like, you know, I I like kind of the qualifiers that you put in there. Like, I think Thanksgiving numbers across the board were insane. I saw that for NFL, actually, your Cowboys, I saw uh, like the most watched Thanksgiving game in like 40 years. And, you know, just overall, it was a really good weekend for sports. You know, you see the snow, but I think people also kind of tuned in or ended up tuning into the quality of the game. Yeah, you see highlights on Twitter. Yeah, something that it could be missed. Is every single matchup between them like that? No, but I I do think that's a very unfortunate thing and it'll be interesting to follow. But yeah, like you said, as of right now, doesn't seem like that's going to be changing. Go back one year and you'll see a completely different game. No doubt. So the thing I didn't mention with this being a big win, it has major bowl implications. Like no doubt it that moves you up one two, maybe three bowl games just off of one win. The difference between seven and five and six and six is pretty immense. And you you win on the road at a top twenty five team, you'll get rewarded. So I mean I didn't I didn't do this or anything. I just wrote down a list. But here is the order in which Bowl games are picked in the Big 12. So after the New Year's Six, it goes Alamo, Pop-Tarts, Texas Bowl, Liberty Bowl, Guaranteed Rate, which is in Phoenix, and the Independence Bowl in Shreveport. So I would say it's probably safe to say the Independence Bowl is a no-shot, which is a good thing. A December 16th Bowl in Shreveport, Louisiana, I don't think would be very fun, but... That wasn't your top destination pick, Jake? No, 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 no. Not at all. Nick, between between these bowls, I, I get one, one more thing. So I would say the most realistic from everything I've heard in order, it goes Texas, Liberty, and then guaranteed rate. Let's just say of those three, you rewind a year and you're covering Iowa State on the beat. Of those three destinations, where would you most likely want to go can you remind me where the guaranteed rate is that is phoenix phoenix the day after christmas and then the liberty is the 29th the texas bowl is the 27th yeah i would have picked probably liberty bowl 
yeah. which I'll, I'll hit on in a little bit. There's a chance I will be in that area, but I like the date for that. I am a huge Christmas person, as you will see as we get a little bit closer. Uh, so you get a little breathing room after the holiday. I wouldn't really have that type of kind of desire for Texas to be my top spot. And, you know, I just think that that area in, in Tennessee would be a lot of fun. So I think for all of those reasons, uh, Liberty would be my top pick. I'm all Liberty. Give me Liberty number one. <laughs> Obviously, if the Pop-Tarts or Alamo comes coming, those are those are obviously in a different tier. Where is Pop-Tarts? Orlando? That's Orlando. So it's okay. the old Camping World Bowl. And I believe before that it was the Russell Athletics Bowl. And somewhere in there I might have been the Cheez-It Bowl. Yeah, I thought it was. Oh, yeah, yeah. it was the Cheez-It Bowl. Yeah, it, these bowl names are so freaking stupid. Uh, whatever. Don't get me on a soapbox. Uh, but, yeah, I'm going Liberty. Aiden, did you go to the Liberty Bowl back in 2017? I was there the first time around. Against 20, Tulsa. Yeah. I was also there 2011. Yeah. 2012, I think. Because Sam Richardson. Yes, it was 2012. And he got, it was, he was Paul Rhodes' last bowl game. Yeah. No, he hurt his ankle. He hurt his ankle remember, in the fourth in the first quarter, and then oh, I remember the Steel rumor was came. that like he was up all night throwing up or something, oh. so he didn't sleep the night before, and it was that day sucked. That I day remember did it, suck. was it was like cold, thirty five degrees, and it rained, and it was freezing. It was awful. They played Tulsa, a team they'd already beaten yeah, that year. Yeah, it was the second time that year they played, and it. then they just they did not belong in the same field as Tulsa that no. day. It was pretty pathetic. But the next experience, I wasn't there in 2017 either. But the next experience was a lot better. Beating Memphis, beating uh, actually Mike Norvell was the coach of Memphis at the time. Or no, is it Mike? Oh, yeah, Jay's at Colorado State. Mike is at Florida State. Yep. Yeah, so I would love the Liberty Bowl. I think that that's the best destination. Drivable for Iowa State fans. Long enough after Christmas... And are you going if that's where they end up? It'll all kind of just depend. Okay. We'll have to, we'll have to see. I don't want to make any promises or commitments. So, uh, yeah, bowl season coming up. You mentioned Wisconsin's got a good shot at the Music City Bowl. I was there yeah. last year for Iowa. It was a it was a really fun time. Who who did they play? Was that Kentucky? Yeah, they played Kentucky and okay. just killed them cuz Will Levis didn't play. Oh, okay. Yeah, they just it was like a 20 to zero win, I think something like that. It wasn't even close. Yeah. I believe we find out Sunday, right. For a yes. lot of these, um, do you know, is there like a, like a, like a show that reveals all this or do kind of the individual bowls just kind of announce? I think there used to be a show, but now it's just kind of like Brett McMurphy, Pete Thamel tweeting out. Mm-hmm. Oh, the, and just breaking the news ahead of time. But I want to say we usually know around like four on that Sunday. I think that's a pretty safe-ish area. So before we move on to our championship game picks, this has just been something I've been thinking about. Of course, with the current events, Eli Sanders, Cartavius Norton, Deshaun Hanica, among others, all from Iowa State entering the transfer portal. And I, I want to preface this opinion that I am all for player empowerment. It's a free market world. Go and get what's yours. If if you're making 25,000 on NIL, big school comes calling for 250,000. Who am I this hack in Des Moines to say, don't take that. that. That's not what I'm saying. Just in general, I feel like we live in a world of entitlement in my generation, like speaking from experience, I think a lot of that starts kind of with the youth sports AAU type culture. I know growing up in a smallish medium town, there's a lot of politics involved with parents complaining to coaches about their kid not playing, not playing enough, not starting, not getting enough shots, not getting enough care, whatever. You, you all know how that goes. And for one, that entitlement comes from either A, a player thinking that they know more 
about the sport or the team than the coach does or a parent. And I think that that is just dangerous when it comes to sports, especially youth sports, because these coaches aren't uh, aren't exactly getting paid a lot of money to coach high school basketball or middle school softball. A lot of the time it's volunteer short paychecks. So you have all of that. And I think it's bleeding into the college game where you have players that maybe aren't playing as much as they would have liked to in that first or second year. Instead of sticking it out, working hard, trying to get that starting spot, they're transferring to another place to try and find that. And I'm not saying that that's a bad thing. I'm not saying that it's wrong, but it is just happening more now than ever. And I think more often than not, it is the wrong move. I I don't know where I saw the statistics, so I don't want to make, I don't want to treat it true as fact, but I want to say that it was like 43% of football players that entered the transfer portal last year didn't see the field this year. Something like that, somewhere in that ballpark. So what that tells me is you have a lot of players who either, one, think, man, this coach just doesn't see what I'm about. This coach just doesn't know how to utilize me. I'm going to go somewhere where that can happen. And they go there and it's the same problem, whether maybe they're not good enough, maybe they don't have the right attitude, and they just don't see the field. And it's such a dangerous spot to be because you have a lot of players who are being lied to by agents, by uncles, by family members, and then it's honestly ruining their career, and that's where you see guys end up transferring four or five times not utilizing that potential. And I can speak from my own way, 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 way narrowed down experience of playing division three tennis. I was not a good tennis player. Like I, I know I say that it's a joke a lot, but in high school I was barely varsity in my senior year, like barely. I didn't start playing tennis until I think my sophomore year of high school. I didn't even start trying until my junior year of high school. So there was never any plan for me to want to play college. There was no way I should have played in college either, but Simpson needed some guys. We, I knew someone on the team. They kind of recruited me come out, see if you like it, be a warm body, blah, blah, blah. There, there wasn't any recruit. I didn't, I didn't sit at a table with a, with four hats and pick where I was going to play tennis. I went to school to be in school, not to play tennis. Were you going to Simpson either way? Yeah. This was after I already decided I was going to Simpson for school. And I just, I had to be convinced to play tennis, essentially. I, and when I got there, I was the worst player on the team, not shocking. And it was by a pretty wide margin. And it honestly sucked because I know you're playing guys that have played tennis their whole life or were pretty good in high school. And I'm just getting killed. There were so many times that I wanted to quit but I just didn't for some reason. And I couldn't get myself to. And I remember specifically sophomore year, we played like the same team twice in one day. So we switched up the lineups and I actually played varsity. I think it was my first time playing varsity and I just got killed, just destroyed. And I remember sitting on the bench, like a towel on my head for like a half hour, just wondering how am I going to get on this van back to Indianola, we're in Minneapolis. I'm like, how am I going to get back and go to practice again after this keeps happening? After a lot of thought, I decided to keep going with it. And I just kept working, kept working. And eventually I ended up being varsity the end of my junior year before being forced to retire ahead of my senior year because I got a job. And I know that this is way smaller scale, smaller scale because it's division three tennis and not a multi-billion dollar industry like college football is. But I just think that there's a lot of players out there that need to stick it out. And this isn't like an Iowa State thing. This isn't this isn't any specific school. This is just generally what I've seen in college athletics the last few years. And I think that it's a problem that needs to be fixed. And I don't know what that solution is. You work in this industry of recruiting, and, and you might have a better answer. Is it make players sit out? 
if it's not like because of a coach leaving or maybe need a special exemption to not sit out something like that. But I think if we keep on this train of just, if you go to a school, don't like it, you can transfer four different times. I just don't think that's going to cut it for the future of college sports. Yeah, Jake, I really appreciate that perspective. I think that as a whole, you know, I'm, I'm in agreement with some, I'll push back on a little bit. I want to add to a point you made though, about like the percentage that we, we don't know for sure, but you said somewhere around like 40, maybe that didn't actually like end up getting a lot of playing time or a run at their new schools. There's a good percent. And some of our, you know, analysts and, and national uh, people kind of with the 247 team do a great job of talking about this that don't even get picked up by a new school. Right. And then you're really in trouble. I think it happens a little bit more in college basketball, maybe, but it definitely uh, like percentage wise, but it definitely happens in both. I think that's a really unfortunate thing. I think another aspect is just knowing who to really trust in terms of like, okay, if I do jump into this portal, what am I looking for? What is really reasonable, uh, realistic? What actually could happen with this? And then I was a little bit surprised just in terms of like maybe a, a name or two with Iowa State. But I think that at times, you know, sometimes I remember you had written the grass isn't always greener and it's not. Uh, but I do think that sometimes you just maybe see, okay, there are these, you know, kind of young star players like we talked about Abu Sama earlier. And maybe for, for a guy that has put in, three years or so like an Eli Sanders maybe just wants to be featured a little bit more. I think it just really depends. I think there was some surprise to me in there because he got uh, so many opportunities this season, but just in general, I, I think I agree with a lot of what you said. I think it's a true thing, Jake, that's a case by case basis. I think it's hard to kind of generalize with some of this stuff, but I mean, I'll, I'll tell you just like as, as a reporter and you mentioned with some of the recruiting stuff, not that we come first by any means, but it's certainly not as, as kind of fun and intriguing to cover as some of the high school stuff, because it just feels like at times maybe decisions are, are being made or kids are getting reached out to before they even you know, have announced their intentions. Like some of these reports about quarterbacks out there, like Cam Ward at Washington State, things like that. So I think it's it's a complicated thing, but I, I really like your perspective on it as well. It's also, I, I don't want this to come off as Iowa State fan upset, so-and-so player leaves because Iowa State basketball in the mid-2010s benefited from the transfers more than probably any school in the country. Like Fred Hoiberg revolutionized transfers in basketball. And of course, Iowa State football has been hit by transfers in the past. But I was thinking about it the other day. And I can't think of a single player that left Iowa State football and ended up being better off. Like I genuinely couldn't think of, and I was looking through the years of the rosters and, and I don't, I don't want to name, I don't want to make this personal or anything like that, but no, there, there is something to say that just safeties, especially are really good in John Haycock's system. And that's not to call any safety, a system safety, because that's, that's not fair, but there is something to it where there's been certain players that left and you would have thought that Matt Campbell left by the reaction of people on, on Iowa state Twitter. And you end up the next year. And like, oh, here's, here's Jeremiah Cooper. Or, oh, uh, Anthony Johnson move over to safety. And it seems like nothing changes. So I do think that there is part of that to this, that, uh, one, two, three, four players transferring isn't going to ruin a team in football. But yeah, no, definitely. I, I guess we'll wait and see the next month or so. Yeah, it's a crazy time. But I, I think a lot of what 
you know, we said, and you especially is, you know, well thought out and not yet personalizing really anything, but shifting gears kind of in a loaded show. Somebody went three and oh last week. You sure did. Um, I would guess that you had some steeple Ridge bourbon to celebrate that, that three and oh week. Cause I, I know, I, I know I had a three and oh week the, the week before and that's the best way to celebrate accordingly. Of course, uh, get your steeple Ridge bourbon at your local liquor store, local grocery store, of course, distilled age and bottled by lonely Oak distillery. And then our, our not big 12 picks this week, our championship game picks is always brought to us by circus sports, Iowa. You're not going to get any, uh, any nonsense at circus sports. I know that a certain sports book lately has been in the news for maybe not, uh, not paying out withdrawals or, um, voiding, um, voiding pushes. You're not going to get that nonsense at circa. They're going to give you the good odds and they're going to take care of you. They're, they're awesome. So, so how we're going to handle this, we just threw down all of the power five championship games this mm-hmm. week. And if my math uh, treats me right, that would mean five championship games. <laughs> I don't know how I did that on a Simpson education, but we're just, we're picking every game. We're just going to pick, just picking the spread. We're going mm-hmm. down. We'll start on Friday night. We've got Oregon favored by 10 against Washington. That game is seven o'clock on ABC in Las Vegas. Nick, I'll, I'll start with you. Where are you going in this game? Yeah, so it's one that this spread surprised me a little bit. I, it's not one I'm actually going to play, but if I did, and for this exercise, I would have to take the points with Washington. I think that Oregon wins outright, and I think that the CFP rankings are going to be just insane, which will be fun to watch. But 10 points... Man, even a late score from that potent Washington offense, I would think they can stay around 9 or 10. So I would play the Huskies. So I've watched a lot of Huskies this year. They've been the late game a few times, and uh, my good friend Jeff Dubroff over at KCCI Channel 8. Oh, yeah. He's a, he's a, US, he's a US, USC guy. So there was a couple times. I remember one week Washington was down to Stanford. And I just text him like, gotta bet Washington, right? And he's like, yeah, bet the spread, no matter what it is. And I think there was one week, bet him at like minus nine and a half when they were down like 13 to just a bad team. So I've watched a lot of Washington. They have not played good football since they beat Oregon in Seattle Mm -hmm. on October 14th. I'm fading them. Oregon, I think, is the second best team Sorry, let's go third best team in the country. And I'm going to take them minus 10. And I know that's that's laying two scores in a game against a top five team. I'm I'm doing it. I don't care. Ballsy. Number three, number three team after Georgia, Michigan. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um, yeah, I mean, I think that's super fair, and I think they are a team that's gonna find themselves in the college football playoff. Now, maybe the most important one for this show, Big 12 Conference, Texas, laying 14 to the Cowboys, who we were probably both wrong about, ended up making the conference championship game. 11 a.m. ABC Saturday. What's your take there? I'm taking Texas and the points. I just... We saw how hard it is to run on Texas. Nobody has been able to do it this year. That's Oklahoma State's strength with Ollie Gordon. Alan Bowman has been shaky, especially of late. They did not deserve to win that BYU game on Saturday. Oklahoma State is playing more like that team that lost by 29 points to South Alabama. Yeah. Uh, Texas needs to make a statement because they are seventh in the playoff. I just think you you blindly play the better team in this one. But selfishly, I hope I'm wrong so we have a more entertaining game. Yeah, that's. I think that's super fair. If I played one, I would go with Texas as well. Next one, 
3 o'clock in Atlanta on CBS. It's the SEC Championship. Georgia favored by six points over Alabama at last check on Circus Sports. Where are you going in this one, my friend? So this is the one I'm going to say the underdog actually wins. Ooh. I know a lot of people are, are picking it or having fun or picking the point, so it's not that crazy. Georgia's a dang good football team. I just don't see that next level uh, from them that I have seen. Certainly don't see it from Bama. Maybe I'm just rooting for a little craziness in the college football playoff rankings, but I will go Bama. I will take the points and pick the Tide to win outright. Yeah, I know that the past few years we've seen this with Georgia, especially in November. Like, oh, my gosh, they haven't beat anybody in, in how long. They're not playing their best football, and then they just go out and put up 40 in the SEC championship game over Alabama. I don't think that happens. Part of me wants to take the points, but I just think anytime you can get plus six with Nick Saban, you just have to blindly take it. That well, one of the ways that whenever I do decide to place a wager on a sports bet, I just go on the can you sleep theory. Could I sleep at night losing by betting on Alabama? I absolutely could. I think anytime you bet on Nick Saban, you just have to be proven wrong. So I I like your play with the plus six. The next one, by far, I think the toughest line of the night yeah, or of the weekend is Florida State getting two and a half points against Louisville. Seven o'clock on ABC Local 5 in Charlotte. I have no idea... If I had to advise somebody, I would say don't play this game. Agreed. Without Jordan Travis, Florida State undefeated, but somehow I guess could be left out of the playoffs still. Um, I, I would take Louisville. I Florida State, they beat Florida somewhat, I guess, convincingly by the score. That was a game in the fourth quarter. Florida is not good. I don't know, man. Louisville also had a bad loss, though, this past yeah. weekend. They're just not the same without Jordan Travis. I'd, I'd blindly take Louisville. Yeah, this is the toughest one for me, too. I, I just I haven't seen these teams as much. I think that I play Florida State just because it's so small. But again, I would not be surprised either way in this one. And then our final one, no, uh, I guess no affiliation at all. It's uh, Michigan minus 23 and a half points over Jeez. Iowa. I'll be there in Indianapolis. Coverage on local five starts on Friday. When are you heading there? Okay, Friday. I'm leaving Thursday, but coverage Thursday. will start Friday. Man, I this is another one. Just uh just keep that ten bucks in your pocket and wager it another time. There's, yeah, it's a tough one. That's too many points in a conference championship game, but I would not be shocked at all if it does end up being a blowout like that. So I would just say you take that many points, but there's no good feeling about it. I just think you take the plus 23 and a half points and, and you sweat it out and have a really fun time doing it. If I had to play it, I would do the same thing. Michigan doesn't need style points. They just need to win. Yeah. I don't think that they're going to try to kind of, you know, blow the waters out. I, I think that Iowa's defense will keep it somewhat close. I don't see either team going crazy. I would take Iowa in the points if I had to play it. It's a week they're really, really going to miss Cooper DeGene. No doubt. Yeah, but, without a question. But yeah, that uh, it's, it's a pretty good championship weekend. I know in the past we've had a lot of just oh, yeah. duds. And this... Uh, three of the five games are going to be awesome at minimum. So yeah. I'm looking forward to it. Let's close. Let's go like eight minutes of hoops. How's that sound? Of course. Yeah, the, no, that, that sounds great. In, in the channel seed studios, Iowa State a one and two weekend. Sorry for burying the lead. And I, I want to say Chris Hassel on two guys named Chris said it best. Iowa State played like a one and two team 
this weekend. My initial thoughts. The sky is not falling. No. But any fan that did freak out or is freaking out certainly has the right to, I would say, in the manner that Iowa State lost, especially that game to Texas A&M on Sunday. Because part of it, of course, was A&M getting hot, making shots, making those, like... 18-foot running floaters from over the free-throw line. But a lot of it was unforced turnovers. There was a saving the ball under your own basket. Just a lot of, like, running into the lane, throwing it, seeing what happened, and it ended up in points the other way. And then, of course, the uh, the free-throws is enough to drive a man clinically insane. The, the free-throw shooting was so bad. I've never seen... I've never seen an Iowa State team or really a college basketball team be that bad three straight games from the free throw line. So overall, just a really poor weekend of Iowa State basketball that easily could have been 0-3, but you could flip it the same way. If Iowa State just makes free throws, they're 2-1. and one. Could be 2-1. and one. Yeah. I think that the manner in which they lost against AM surprised me, like you mentioned. I, I was a little bit surprised that they they lost that first game. Uh, you know, their first loss there, the second game they played. Yeah. And from what I was able to see, it, it was interesting. I, I think that, you know, Pavletsky started to find a little bit of kind of a rhythm and an impact early on there. I, I think the tough shooting hurt the team at the end, like you mentioned, but it's just that that's one that's going to hurt long-term a little bit, not in terms of how good the team can be morale, nothing like that, but just in terms of it could have been a really important win to look back on because nobody's going to remember, you know, if A&M was missing a couple starters yeah. and they were ranked top 12. So I, I think that's a fairly big deal, but I mostly just wanted to turn this one to you, Jake. Because you were pretty uh, kind of confident and, you know, opinionated in terms of you didn't like most of the non-conference slate for Iowa State. I think you said they should lose at, at most one game. Maybe it was two by the end. I don't remember exactly. But I'm just curious, how did kind of those few games the last week or so affect your thoughts on the team long-term and their potential this season? Yeah, I want to say that two would have been considered a disappointing non-conference schedule. And I'll stand by that. Three would be borderline disaster, but also not a disaster because you have so many opportunities for good wins in Big 12 play. But yeah, I mean, when when the non-conference schedule set up for essentially these three games down in Florida and then Iowa as the only potential tournament teams, because let's be honest, DePaul is closer to Grambling State than they are to VCU. So yeah, I get it's a, it's a road environment, but they're terrible. There's not a lot of time to figure it out in February like there has been the last couple of years. Yeah, I, I think that's, you know, that's kind of exactly it. I mean, these these wins, they obviously, they're fun in terms of the early season tournaments and, you know, it can just kind of establish deeper chemistry and things like that for the team, but you got to think about resume builders as well. So it's right. certainly not like you, you wrote Jake. I think you said it perfectly, my man. Sky is not falling. I, I don't think it's time to panic by any means, certainly a tournament team. However, you need to get some things cleaned up free, free throw shooting kind of consistency from three point range. And that Iowa game's got to be a win at this point for sure. Yeah. That, that and I'll throw DePaul in there. I know it's DePaul, but it's still a road game. You really can't afford to drop either of those two, or you will have somewhat of an uphill climb to make the NCAA tournament in Big 12 play, which I still fully expect Iowa State to, to make the Big 12 tournament. But this team maybe hasn't gelled as fast as Otz's first two teams, which makes sense. There's... There's so much a lot youth. of new players. Yeah, yeah, a lot of youth, a lot of group of five teams or a lot of group of five players playing up a level. 
But that that was also true of the previous two teams. So what I see as far as what needs to be fixed is just, I would say, higher IQ plays. Obviously, you, I'm not, um, I'm not doing rocket science here that you want to cut down on turnovers, but I really think you have to cut down on the live ball turnovers, especially a lot of the just kind of driving into the lane, not jump stopping, just going up in the air. You meet a body, so you just try and throw it across the court. That's picked off, easy dunk the other way. That's just something that Iowa State's offense hasn't proven to be able to overcome yet. So it's that, and then it's just the free throws. Go do what Jamal Murray does. Go outside, shoot free throws without a shirt on in 20-degree weather. Every one you miss, you do 10 push-ups. Like that, at some point, you need your shooters to make free throws if you're going to win these big 12 games because I I get it. You're not going to be blowing out a lot of big 12 teams, if any. You're going to be in a lot of five, six, seven-point games, and what we saw Friday, Saturday, Sunday was free throws were the difference. If they make 80% of their free throws instead of 56 against A&M, they probably win that game. And yeah. that's uh that's something that I'm sure I'm I'm sure that TJ Alzelberger has harped on on practice this week. Well, and I'll just briefly add just kind of in terms of looking ahead to conference play. There are some teams that we probably weren't that high on. For example, BYU to an extent, but Ooh, more BYU so looks good. More so for me, Jake, Oklahoma. Yep. It's going to be a dang good conference, like those obvious five or six teams. And then even as you get a little bit lower to 10 and 11, you know, I think that it's going to be just a a bit of a gauntlet. And it's it going is. to be really intriguing to follow and see how many teams make it from that conference. Yeah, it's going to be a grind. It's, uh, it's going to be a fun basketball season ahead. Maybe Always it is. is. And it, I guess it, it's it's full on here. We've got another football game, but especially after Saturday, it's it's going to be all basketball mode outside of that bowl game. So you know where to find your coverage. It's right here, right here at Iowa Everywhere, of course. Also at Local 5, and then for your Wisconsin and Big Ten coverage, go up to Nick at 24-7. This has been firmly entrenched on Iowa Everywhere. It was a fun show, of course, thanks to Heartland Flags and Gifts, Channel Seeds, Circus Sports Iowa, and Steeple Ridge Bourbon. We'll be back next week previewing a bull trip. Iowa everywhere.